Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Barbara P and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 29th, 2024. Today we're reading from the big book and we are on page XXX in the doctor's opinion, the sixth paragraph beginning with this immediately precipitates us and ending with chronic alcoholics are doomed. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Joni C. from Minnesota, our 12 Traditions, Rick J. in North Carolina. Our readers are Tamara C. will get us started, Crystal R. on our closing, Penny E. is our backup, and newcomer greeter today is Jessica C. Host for the second hour is Maria F. And we'll have somebody doing our announcements. The reference numbers for Sunday, the reference number for Sunday, wonderful um, special edition, Sunday, January 28th is 21078, 21,078. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I'll now ask Joni C. to please read our 12 steps. Good morning. This is Joni C., gratefully recovered but not cured from Minnesota. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible would wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that. And twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Great. Thanks, Joni C. from Minnesota. Appreciate you. And Rick J., would you read our 12 traditions? Thanks for your service, Barbara. My name is Rick J. I am a compulsive overeater, recovered but not cured, in Cary, North Carolina. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Well, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much, Rick Jay from North Carolina. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we'll resume our study of the big book on page XXX in the doctor's opinion, the sixth paragraph, last paragraph, beginning with this immediately precipitates and going through that whole paragraph to the end of the page, chronic alcoholics are doomed, ending there. So I'm going to go ahead and ask Tamara C. to get us started. Tamara. Yes, this is Tamara C., a recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. Much has been written pro and con, but among physicians, the general opinion seems to be that most 
chronic alcoholics are doomed. So as I've read this um, before, I've been curious, like, okay, what exactly is Dr. Silkworth referring to with the word this? What is it that throws us into this this big debate? Is it the idea of the allergy of the body? Because that was um, not something that everybody agreed on. Uh, maybe, um, like, people thought it was more like a moral weakness, why people drank. Um, they didn't necessarily agree that it was a body, a body difference. Um, it, or is it the idea that the, um, the medical field's treatment options um, are not a, an effective solution for the serious, the chronic alcoholic or the serious addict or this, the real compulsive overeater? Um, or is it this necessity for entire abstinence? And uh, for me, I guess I guess I just I don't really need to debate like the nature of my disease, why I eat compulsively. I just need to know that I'm, number one that I'm powerless. I'm powerless over my mind, which tells me one compulsive bite will make me feel better, and my body, which doesn't let me stop at one compulsive bite. And number two, that there is a solution in this spiritual program of action that helps me access a power greater than myself. Um, my personal debate has often been around, like, I can control. I don't really have to practice entire abstinence or even with my life. I still, um, this comes up in my 10 steps and nightly review, this debate of I don't want to give up and trying to control my life, getting things my way or trying to figure things out. Because I have this old idea that if I'm in control, I'm strong. I'm respectable, I'm worthy, I'm safe. And so, therefore, if I'm not in control, then I'm weak and I'm unworthy and I'm in danger. And it says that, you know, much has been written pro and con. So, you know, whatever the doctor is referring to, um, you know, written like this is why they drink or this is the solution. But they generally agree that the real alcoholic or for me, the real compulsive overeater is doomed. And I really need to lean into the pain of this. And because if I can embrace this powerlessness, then I'm willing to give up the illusion of control. And then I'm free to seek the spiritual solution to my food problem and to my life problem, my painful way of approaching life and trying to control everything. So, um, that's what I wanted to share, and thank you. I pass. Oh, thanks very much, Tamara C. from Missouri, for getting us started. Although we value your experience, this is to everyone, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. But I'll go ahead and take a list of names of who would like to share today. Victoria R. Okay, Victoria, I got you. Who was after? Tanya D. Tanya, got you. Larry K. Larry. Anyone else? So far, I have Victoria, Tanya D, Larry K. Nancy J. Nancy J. All right, let's kick off with those four. So, Victoria, oh, sorry, go ahead. If we have one more. Kathy S. Kathy, got you. 
Okay, so Victoria L, Tanya D, Larry K, Nancy J, Kathy Yes. Victoria, go right ahead and you'll be followed by Tanya D. Hi, good morning. This is Victoria L. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater from Muncie, Indiana. Uh, I want to thank the speaker for her share. It was uh, very good this morning. I'm <clears throat> grateful to be on this line with all of you this morning, and I appreciate everyone who's doing service. Um, you know, I believe when I think about this idea of the chronic alcohol being doomed, I think it just goes back to how we've discussed on this line a lot, how Bill rewrites the same things in different ways that he can really drive his point home. And I think the point that they're trying to drive home here is that we have to be hopeless to recover. And, um, you know, I go in and out of feeling hopeless um, because I want to go from hopeless to hope and really get into the faith that the program will work for me. But unfortunately, I've been one of the chronic relapsers um, and compulsive eaters anonymous um, I've struggled since early 2012 to get any kind of recovery, and I honestly don't know why I keep going back to the food. Um, some people have said, you know, you can't really relapse if you never fully took step one, and I don't know if that's the case for me of, of surrender or, or what my issue is. I definitely identified with the five types of eaters that we talked about a little bit last week, but I don't really... I don't want to feel like I'm doomed in the sense that this is never going to work for me, but I do want to feel like I'm doomed in the fact that I I can't pick up that first bite. Like the moment I do that, I think I gain control over the food. Um, one of my last relapses was the day after Thanksgiving, and I really thought that I was just going to pick up, you know, something that I really, really wanted and have it for a day, maybe two days. And that took me out for um, over two months. And so I have a couple days of abstinence today. And um, I'm just really grateful. And I would love to hear from anyone who has suffered from chronic relapsing but found surrender and has um, solid abstinence now. I really need to hear that experience, strength, and hope. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Great. Thanks so much, Victoria L. from Indiana. Tanya D, step right up, and you'll be followed by Larry K. Hi, uh, this is Tanya D, recovered compulsive overeater in Illinois. Um, yeah, this is a short paragraph with a lot in it. Um, to me, you know, that when I hear this, it refers to the previous sentence of, you know, the only, I think it's this previous sentence, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And I remember first learning that in OA, yeah, you know, people abstain from certain foods and that they binged on, which, you know, I immediately knew what those foods would have to be for me. Uh, and I just, um, you, you know, I, I, I it was... Um, I also thought there's there's no way I didn't want to, um, and I because I thought that that was the only good thing in my life. I'm like, okay, so this program would want me to give up the only thing that is good. I like the the only thing that I turned to it, and that you know that was absolutely the disease, right? Where um, I thought that that was the only thing that was keeping me going, when in reality that was the thing that was. Um, killing me. So I had, you know, my own internal cauldron of debate. Uh, and then I did some more experimentation. Um, and it was the disease that convinced me that I was doomed, you know, that um, I didn't have any other solutions, didn't have any other ideas. And I'm really glad that, you know, I came to OA and 
um, you know, took on the idea that I did have to abstain from certain foods, but it was also the food uh, that that convinced me that I would be doomed otherwise, you know, combined, of course, with the, the information because, uh, you know, normal eaters uh, don't necessarily understand the need to abstain that I have. Um, I remember my parents, uh, when I told them I was in OA because I was pretty young, um, it was 19 when I came in, and I told them um, that I was not going to eat certain foods. And like, well, this doesn't sound, you know, healthy. And But they didn't have any better solutions. You know, they had an idea of what they thought the solution would be for me. But the problem is it was a solution that didn't work. You know, it sounded nice. I wish it, it would work, but I had tried it many times. And, you know, uh, entire abstinence combined with, of course, with working the steps um, is the only thing that, uh, that has worked for me. And so, yeah, I don't need to, I don't, but I don't need to debate it, you know, with the outside world. I don't need to convince uh, other people that this is the way that it needs to be done. I just need to know that it works for me um, one day at a time and to kind of um, stick to that. Um, thanks for letting me share and with that, I'll pass. Oh, great. Tanya D., thank you so much from Illinois. Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Nancy J. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from uh, Chicago. And, um, you know, um, doomed, boy. Um, you know, we read here among physicians is that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. It reminds me of my favorite character from Winnie the Pooh when I was growing up was Eeyore. You know, thanks for noticing me. You always felt doomed under the, the cloud. The, you know, the dark cloud of rain and never wanted to get his hopes up so he wouldn't get let down. And, you know, what did these doctors observe? observe? Well, they, they, they saw that the alcoholic's brain gets hijacked and they, they saw that, the, that these alcoholics had no power to prevent this. And the thing is, you know, the idea of being powerless is really shockingly unacceptable for most people. I know it is for me. And it but it's important to realize that the first step, which is what really we're, we're talking about here, is, is not saying that we're globally powerless. I mean, you can choose, uh, you know, uh, what job uh, you take, uh, you know, where you live, who you marry, perhaps uh, you want to stay single, that's fine, whatever you want. You can even choose to worship or not. But step one only says that if you are truly addicted to your alcoholic food substance, you're completely unable not to be addicted. And even if you abstain for a while, as soon as you return uh, to using, the addiction gets reawakened. You know, there's no permanence of remission here. So you, you do not have the capacity to use any addictive substance in moderation. And yet, unfortunately, in the 12-step rooms, we're brimming over with people who think this program is about learning how to eat alcoholically in moderation, how to exercise uh, healthy in moderation, how to, how to throw up in moderation. And, you know, for, for reasons that are, that are, you know, perhaps genetically determined, we are biologically mandated to eat these substances. And our brains become easily hijacked by these addictive substances. And, and once hijacked, you know, our desire for more of the same becomes strengthened in the brain, not weakened. I need more food to give me the effect. 
I need to vomit more. I need to exercise more. I need to isolate more. All the various manifestations of, of this untreated condition. You know, you get the idea. And so here's the thing. When no alcohol or other chemicals bathe the addicted brain in an, un, you know, recovered person, you know, the result is a chronic sense of need, of restlessness, irritability, discontentedness, and not feeding the beast does not make the beast disappear. You know, rather the, the addictive brain's demands intensify. They do not moderate, they intensify. And so I can't do anything, Marsha, by my own will. There's nothing I could do. And that's the, the essence Fine. of step one. Um, acknowledge, thanks, acknowledgement of my powerlessness. But if I work step one, then thank goodness there's a solution, which is indicated in step two. And I'm going to manifest this by working the steps, and I can access power. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thanks, Larry Kay from Illinois. Uh, so just a reminder, we're on page XXX in the doctor's opinion, sixth paragraph, last paragraph, this immediately precipitates. And just that one paragraph to the end of the page. Nancy J., you're up, followed by Kathy S., and then we'll be taking another list of names. Good morning, Nancy J. in California. Great to be on the line. Thank you, everyone doing service. So the paragraph before, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence, which we discussed on Friday, which was amazing. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. For me, this speaks more to the compulsive overeater than the alcoholic. Now, I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm a, I'm, I've got a lot, I'm a, I can be addicted to anything, and I have, you know, that's a whole other story. But um, I've had the same sponsor for 13 years in this program, Brad, since I was brand new. And I've gone through every level of, oh, I need a new sponsor. My program's not doing well. Well, you know what? <laughs> Sometimes it ain't the sponsor. And I, I, I dare say most of the time, I don't know, I I'm only can speak for myself. But she raised me as a moderate eater. That works for her. Now, just between us and the lamppost, I don't, and if you're on the line, you know how I feel about you. I don't, we talked about it. I don't think she's a couple of reader. I think there's a problem, but that's another debate. I'm the real deal, man, and I ate moderately for a while. And even on Wednesday nights, I'd have yogurt. But the weird thing is the yogurt cup, it kept started costing me more and more money. Like at first it was $3, then it was $5, and this is like within two months, right? Seven dollars. Wednesday night turns into well Saturday, but you know, then Sunday, and then every day, and then twice a day, and then let's go to uh, let's go to the real ice cream because this yogurt is very grainy, you know, and the rest is history. Um, so after years of eating quote and unquote moderately, I, um, you know, obviously relapsed and got back into the food. So um, yeah, no debate, man. I, ha I cannot eat my alcoholic foods at all, ever. And the beautiful thing, uh, I'm, this latest abstinence, this glorious God-given abstinence past year, uh, no sugar, no substitutes. And uh, a new gal asked me the other day, I asked her, do you have any questions for me? 
And she said, yeah. Do you ever think about eating sugar? And I said, I kind of joked and said, oh, only in my dreams. And I thought, you know, honestly, only in my nightmares. Only in my nightmares. Well, once in a while, I'll pick up sugar. And my life goes to S-H-I-T in a minute. And that is not, that is a reality for me. So, uh, yeah, no debate for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, moderate eating, not for me. Thank you so much, everyone. And I'll pass. Nancy Jane, California. Love to hear from anybody. Thanks, Nancy J. Appreciate you. Kathy S. from Georgia. You're up for three minutes, and then we'll be taking a new list of names. Thanks, Barbara. Um, this is Kathy S. from Georgia. And um, the word that stands out for me in this paragraph, like many of the previous shares, is debate. Um, to argue about, to fight, to turn over in one's mind, if that doesn't describe me and my thinking. Um, you know, in the first debates, where do I belong here? Do, what do I do? Do I turn left, et cetera? And, you know, the list could go on. And, and the biggest debate, um, also, for me, it was around the abstinence and this idea of entire abstinence, it just really, it is what works for me. Um, but in the beginning of my journey, you know, I, I went into rehab where they said that restricting is what leads to the binge. Abstinence leads to binging. So they proposed that moderation. And um, again, as we've heard from others, you know, it works for some people, but it did not work for me. And, um, you know, I, it did, when I think about it, the philosophy does ring true, you know, like the abstinence, when I practiced, when I got better at dieting, um, and I got better at control, and then the binging really got bigger. And then, then I got more intense with exercise and the binging got bigger. You know, there was, there was this huge cycle. It just got way crazy. But I noticed that with abstinence, you know, if I'm not even playing with the fire, I'm okay. I just didn't last very long. I mean, I could last a little longer, like two weeks versus a few hours if I was in my alcoholic foods. So the other thing that I noticed though, is that regarding my alcoholic foods, that I could take broccoli out. So if abstinence was the reason for binging, then I could take broccoli and green beans out and for months, for a year. And if I brought them back in, then the philosophy is I would binge on them. And that was not my experience. Um, but when I took away sugar, dairy, you know, other foods like that, that was different. And so that helped me to determine you know, more of my alcoholic foods and my journey. And I just really have to stay. It is critical for me to stay out of the debate business. That is not my job anymore. I think I have proven to myself time and time again that I belong here and that entire abstinence is what works for me. I do have that physical allergy. And as long as I don't provoke it with the first bite and I work these steps, I can stay connected to God and to my fellows and into life. And we get through. And I'm just so grateful that the debate is over. So um, thanks. And with that, I pass. 
Thanks very much. Kathy S. from Georgia. Okay, so I'll open it up for shares again. And again, if you've just shared in the last three days, we ask you to hold back uh, or just to share every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So who else would like to share? Star one to share and everyone's welcome. Lindsay P. Was that Helene? Lindsay. Lindsay, GT. Okay, got it. Yeah, thank you. Jim F. Jim, gotcha. Novella P. Novella. Susan G. Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Susan G. Tennessee. Gotcha. Anyone else? Page XXX, final paragraph. This immediately precipitates. Chris W., Chris with a K, from Tennessee. Gotcha, Chris. Okay, let's stop there. And then, oh, it was that Betsy? Stephanie R. from Missouri. Stephanie, gotcha. Stephanie from Missouri. Okay, so let's stop there. We have Lindsay, Jim, Novella, Susan G, Chris W, Stephanie R, and I've tried to get, we'll see if we got initials, correct me if I'm wrong. Lindsay T, you are up, followed by Jim F. Lindsay, star one. Hi, this is Lindsay P from New York. Um, Oh, I really resonated with this this morning. Um, I'm a chronic relapser who finally has some recovery a few months under my belt. And um, I spent my entire teens and my 20s and my 30s in the food and in and out of OA. And I thought that maybe OA just works as well as any other quote-unquote diet I was on until I finally realized that OA isn't a diet. It's a spiritual solution. And um, this past journey where I finally got rid of the sugar and the sugar substitutes, which I never wanted to get rid of, um, and committed a food plan, um, I just had to take it one day at a time. You thinking when I was, you know, that new and that fragile and going through the physical, um, <clears throat> going through the physical withdrawals, I was miserable, and I said, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Of course, now I feel totally differently, but at that time, I was just so um, <clears throat> so vulnerable, and every, all the emotions that I was pushing down were coming up, so I had to just constantly remind myself, it's one day at a time, just get to tonight, just lie down, tomorrow you might feel different. And I had to constantly just like count the hours in the day till I had left and of course turn to my higher power. But when I'm new and that fragile, higher power isn't as strong as it is now. So, you know, now 90 something days later, which, you know, is not an eternity, but definitely feels more stable. I am no longer having to count the minutes till I go to bed. I can now turn to my higher power, which I couldn't do at first because, you know, now the relationship with my higher power is strong and I can rely on my higher power and believe that he's actually there. Um, So, 
if anyone is a chronic relapser and they are really struggling at the beginning, just know it does get better. Um, it is miserable at first for me, at least it was. And now I am living um, with food neutrality for the first time in my life. And on top of it, I feel like I can be around that food and not be obsessed with it, thinking about it, ruminating over it, wanting it, promising myself I'm not going to have it. That debate in my head has subsided, thank God. And I've put God and the steps um, and helping others um, and being purposeful instead. So it does get better. And um, that's all I wanted to share with that. I'll pass. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Lindsay P. from New York. Appreciate you. Jim F., go right ahead. You'll be followed by Novella P. Good morning. This is Jim F. I'm from Illinois and a compulsive overeater. Um, you know, when I look at that first sentence about the debate, um, to me, the debate is about the previous paragraph, which is that the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Um, and then the second sentence, that talks about most chronic alcohols are doomed. In the general opinion of the physicians, there it tells me that um, there's not just one doctor who wrote this letter that doesn't know what to do with chronic alcoholics, but there's more physicians that don't know what to do, and all they can do is say they're doomed. And they, so um, that's how I read that, and it just fortifies what we're hearing the doctor who wrote this chapter is saying. And, and for me, what it makes me think about is a paragraph on page 30 that my sponsor envisioned has asked me to just sear into my brain. And I'm just going to read the short sentences. We learned we had to fully concede that in our innermost cells that we we're alcoholics, you know, for us compulsive overeaters, this is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. So Every morning I read that paragraph and I say, Jim, are you conceding today? Are you just not just admitting, but are you conceding to your innermost self that you're an overeater and that not am I, uh, and, and that I'm presently um, an overeater? And as long as I can go through the day knowing that, and I like the word doomed because that's where it takes me. Um, it's just you know really bad place. So, um, and that's all I have to say today. Thank you. Thanks very much. Jim F. from Illinois. Novella P., go right up. And Susan G., you'll be following. Hi, this is Novella P. I'm from Maine. Uh, it's, uh, oh, most chronic alcoholics are doomed. Well, that was certainly me. And it talks more about this damnation that we have on page 24 on the first paragraph, it says the fact that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago we are without defense against the first drink. And then over on page um, 27, this is the doctor talking to his patient. He said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have one single case recover where that state of mind existed 
to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. And that was that's clearly me. When I pick up my alcoholic foods, I feel like the gates of hell have closed in on me. And I can't and it gets and because it's a progressive disease, it gets harder and harder to put my blood down. And so today, thanks for the grace of God and the vision for you, I'm abstinent. And I, I just can't thank my Lord, my higher power for saving me from this disease. And I pray to God every morning. I say thank you, God, for another abstinent day. And please help me stay abstinent today. And every night I thank him again for this abstinent day. So that's how I live my life today. Totally totally trying to do his will and not mine. And with that, I will pass. Thanks, Novella P. And I believe you said Maine. Susan G. from Tennessee, you're up. And just a reminder to everybody, we're on page XXX in the doctor's opinion, sixth paragraph, which is the last one through the end of the page, just the one paragraph. Susan G., go right ahead. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks to everybody on the team for making the meeting possible today. This is Susan G. in Tennessee, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Debate and doom, those words, the double Ds, debate and doom. Well, I had doctors uh, tell me what to refrain from, certain foods, and my response was, I'll start on Monday. And I remember this one doctor just shook his head, turned around and walked out. So... My doom is really is thinking I have an idea, thinking I know how to do this, how to recover, how to abstain, how to work these steps, irregardless of the data. I've spent um, years in a way debating with others how to do the work. Uh, my solution eventually was replaced with surrender. Uh, I called someone. I couldn't get abstinent. I had worked with some really strong recovered fellows. And uh, I called someone on this line that I heard a, a fresh message. And I asked her to sponsor me. And she, her one question to me that just was like a two-edged sword was, Susan, are you out of ideas? Because if you got an idea, it's not going to work. If you think you have this notion that you're going to be able to figure out a slick way for Susan to somehow come under the radar and, and, and be able to eat a certain food or whatever it is, it's not about the food. You need to surrender and wait for the captor to come and do what you're told. And so after that first phone call, I was in tears. And uh, so I gave myself to this not knowing. I really, I didn't know if it would work, quite honestly. I, and I didn't have any other solution. I was really, really out of ideas. And it took what it took. So I don't close the door on all the relapses or difficulties I had over the years, even in OA. But I gave myself to listening. And I gave myself to being taken by the hand through the big book, doing what it says as it was illuminated by this sponsor. And today, you know, I walk every day in peace with my condition that's not cured, but with an intense way of living, working with others, being helpful, 
and having a new power, a new concept of power, continue to be open to that concept. And I know that we can all benefit from surrendering to this power, whatever your power is, and to doing this work because it's a clear-cut set of instructions. And I'm not doomed today if I stay in that and I stay with you. So I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for letting me share with that. I'll say if anybody wants to talk, I'm around. I love outreach calls. Call me. Um, and uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, thanks, Susan G. from Tennessee, followed by Chris W. from Tennessee. Go right ahead, and then Stephanie R., you're up after Chris. Hi, this is Chris W., Chris with the K from Tennessee. And I have a new thought that goes through my mind often, and it's if I don't pick up, I don't have to put down. I never have to binge again if I don't take that first compulsive bite. And those have been things that have helped me so much. I just had my son here from Alaska. And I hadn't seen him in 22 years um, due to situations with his wife. And, um, and it was so nice to have him here. And yet there was, I realized that I was living vicariously through him. There was, he ate all the same food that I ate, so he chose to. But there was there's a fast food restaurant that they don't have in Alaska, and he had mentioned that he liked it, liked to try it. And um, so a couple times I suggested it, and he'd say, "Oh, that's okay." And finally, we did go, and I actually wanted that food, and I haven't had that food in nine months, and or more and um, I was able to reach out to my sponsor and um, let her know that I was thinking of that food so um, that helped me it helped me to remember I'm not going to binge if I don't get into that food because the last time I relapsed that was one of the foods I got into, plus the other little fast food restaurants right around it I had to buy from everywhere. And I just am grateful that I'm not fighting this thing anymore. I accept that I can't have these foods and I don't want them. I do not want to be in the emotional pain that I lived in for all of my life, always wondering what I'm going to eat next what diet to go on, what food to throw away, what food to buy. I mean, it was nonstop turmoil. And I don't live that way today. Um, I sure have, you know, more growth in, in trying to get my way in other areas that, you know, I'm telling my son that the door kept slamming at the hotel and I kept saying, why, why are you letting the door slam? And finally, I went out the door and the whatever that thing that keeps the door from shutting or keeps the door to shut, that was so powerful that it pushed me back in the room and the door slammed. And it took me like four times trying to tell him, like, quit making the door slam. The neighbors are going to wake up or the other rooms. And, and all of a sudden, God illuminated my, um, my, need to try to control and his driving scared me to death in the pouring down rain 
So I'm not in control of anything. That's my bottom line. Thank you for letting me share. Uh, thanks, Chris W. Chris with a K from Tennessee. Stephanie R., you're up next, and then we'll have time for a couple more shares. Hi, Stephanie R. from Missouri. Thank you so much for letting me share today. Um, you know, I have had issues with relapse in the past, and I found that I, I sometimes wish that there was a debate because when it hits me to do something that is not part of my program of recovery, there's no debate at all. I just go into action and and I really block out everything from my higher power and I'm all ego. It's my ego saying that what you've done in the past with this recovery stuff is just, it's not working. This is where you have your peace and serenity. And I just have to really every day start my day with surrendering it to my higher power and asking for that guidance. And and it's not only that in the beginning of the day, it's throughout the day that I need to check in and make sure that I'm really staying connected to God so that I can have that serenity that I get when I'm in recovery and not listening to my ego. And I also find that it's not just the food. The food was just the tip of the iceberg for me. It's really finding my my need to recover and to surrender in every aspect of my life. Um, I find that when one thing is off, my mind will just go to another, and I will focus on that and not let God take over. So my share today is that I do need to practice these principles in all my affairs, and if I'm not checking in with my higher power and with fellows, I can easily get into the place where my ego says I don't need this recovery state. And I can just, you know, do things that just make me feel good temporarily, but really send me to that place of feeling doomed and hopeless. So today I choose to feel um, my serenity by surrendering my life to my higher power and asking God for guidance in everything I do. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you for letting me share. Sorry about that. Thank you, Stephanie R. from Missouri. So we have time for a few more shares, uh, probably three. So who would like them? Star one. Lisa Jr. Lisa. Anietta R. Tony B. Anietta. And who was B? I heard Anietta and Tony. I'm sorry, not catching your first name. It's Tony, T-O-N-I. Tony, okay, got you. Okay, Lisa J.R., honey, yet Tony B. Lisa, go right ahead. Hey, good morning, everybody. Lisa J.R. from outside Baltimore. Um, grateful to be here this morning. Grateful to be reading this little paragraph on the heels of a great one talking about entire abstinence, um, you know, my biggest impediment to step one is pride. You know, I, I assume I know something that somebody else is teaching. You know, I see myself as too good to perform certain tasks. In other words, I do it cafeteria style. Um, you know, I I just am 
self-absorbed, you know, thinking I'm terminally unique, different in some way, and looking for that just constantly, um, disregarding the the advice of others that know better, constantly critical, um, you know, wanting affirmation, but, you know, not doing the work, um, and unable to receive constructive criticism, you know, my, and my self, self-obsession, you know, it's like whack-a-mole. Pride just rears up. So for me, I have to, I have to mentally, before my feet hit the floor, before my knees hit the floor, I have to mentally surrender and, and know that I can't live a day, uh, take a breath without God's help. And um, whatever that looks like for us is, is obviously, you know, different. But um, I, I had to just quit justifying my, my, um, my pride, um, thinking it's a good thing. You know, the culture tells you it's a good thing to be proud. Well, you know, for me, it, it's dangerous because it, it becomes delusional, um, you know. So anyway, uh, thanks for letting me share this morning. Well, thanks, Lisa J.R. Anietta, you're up, and you'll be followed by Tony B. Hi, good morning, moderator. I don't didn't catch your name, but thank you for your service, and um, thank everybody for sharing their service, and just being on the meeting listening is a service, so I thank everybody. Um, it said, and, and I think it almost is, for me, I couldn't, grasp the whole thing unless I read the sentence before because it says um, you know the only relief is to have uh, suggest to is entire abstinence then it says this immediately precedes us uh, in the seething cauldron of debate and I had no idea what that meant so uh, this morning I actually looked it up and it's a boiling kettle of debate well that just reminded me of when my sponsor said okay green yellow red foods and i made this list and i and i had all the uh, several things in the yellow because well now really the yellow is red or green there's really no yellow and i said okay and then the first time i put one of the foods in my my menu he said well i thought that was uh, a yellow food, so it's a red food. I said, no, you said it could either be a yellow food. It could go to red or green. And I said, that one just went to green. She goes, oh, okay. And we had this big debate about it and what it is and what it does and how it does. And and I, I just got tickled with this because um, it really was a boiling uh, kettle of debate because I was livid. I'm not livid. I was, what's the word? I was I was so determined that that was a green food and not a red food. And so far, I've had it several times, not often. And uh, and it and and I and I told her I said we'll do the Lipton's test. If I start wanting other foods, if I start thinking about food, if you know all these feelings come back, then I'll put it up to red. If not, then we're just going to leave it alone. He said that's a deal. <laughs> so so far, it's been fine. But um, anyway, that's kind of what I wanted to share, that my boiling, my steaming cauldron of debate was on the yellow, uh, green, yellow, and red foods. 
So thank you very much for letting me share. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Abstinent, fun, exciting. Bye, everyone. And I do like calls, and I am on the list, the phone list. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Conietta. Tony B., you're up, and you'll be closing us out, I believe. Thank you. My name's Tony B. I'm from Scotland, and thank you so much for putting this meeting on, all who've done service. And, um, yes, I, I cannot moderate. Um, I, I can't decide I'm going to eat any of my alcoholic foods in moderation. Enjoy occasionally. You know, it's just not, a, not something I can... I can go for. Um, so, yeah, what happens? Well, I, I go crazy trying. I did. I went crazy trying. I wanted to manage, but I could not manage. And so it's a slow and uh, corroding kind of doomed because, um, you know, I can go on. I did go on. I went on for 12 years. Well, I went on, I suppose, a lot longer than that, if you include all my, all my um, misery before coming into OA. And I would say, I must do something, you know, and um, the arguing would start with those around me, the complaining that I had to do something about it. Um, and just, you know, those hellishly itchy cravings and then succumbing. Well, and the cravings, why? Well, because there's there's bits of my, you know, whatever I'm trying to do to moderate, there's still bits of my alcoholic food going into my body. And so I succumb over and over. And, um, you know, there's mental health issues growing, despairing, watching TV all day, my husband coming home, no dinner made, arguing with him, crying, telling him I can't cope. And, um, yeah, says chronic, us chronic alcoholics. And that's something that continues over an extended period of time. It's long lasting. It doesn't easily or quickly go away. That's well. That's important for me to remember that it's that I am one of these, you know, that I am one of these chronic compulsive overeaters, and I'm doomed. You know, it suggests death. Uh, it means ill-fated, likely to have an unfortunate and inescapable outcome, and I, I was trapped. It was I was it, it was inescapable, and I need a miracle um, because you know there's there's no escape from either the allergy of the body or that twist to the mind. So it needs more than just entire abstinence. But um, yes, uh, all this, all this trying to moderate, you know, um, but it was, it was, it was in my body. So I remember my mother-in-law especially making me these gluten-free curd buns and, you know, there were six big ones on the plate and they were in the fridge and, you know, I'd been abstinent for a while but I had to try her curd bun, so I had a half, and then there they were in the fridge, back and forth, just kind of this itchy feeling, just not really doing anything, wandering around the house, kind of looking at, at her ornaments and things, but just had this, this, you know, I was just going to keep going back and eat them, and then what's next? Well, I'm suggesting to my husband a visit to the local restaurant so I can have cheesy chips and a Coke, and then we get back from holiday, um, they live in Romania, and um, start to buy whatever I like again. And, and, you know, there I am, just back to that arguing, I must do something, crying, telly all day, nothing getting done. So, yeah, I so need this entire abstinence, and um, I so need the miracle of this program. And thank you for letting me share. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
Thanks so much, Tony B. And thank you to everyone who shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. So our share ID for today, January 29th, is 21,079-21079. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Crystal R. please read A Vision for You, Our Book is Meant to be Suggestive Only, through Keep You Until Then. Good morning. This is Crystal R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.